Folks, you are tuned in to Talk Fury, F-U-R-I-E, Feminist Uprising to Resist Inequality and Exploitation. You are going to be hearing Dr. Springler over the telephone audio, and I'm hoping to bump that audio up. We're going to try Facebook calls, we're going to try Skype, and get the best possible audio with Dr. Springler. And uh, we, Dr. Springler will be talking about a, um, a few news items that came across and also just introducing you to Fury. So check it out and get ready for another episode coming next week. So Fury is a, it is, it's an acronym that uh, it's not furry when you read it. I had a few jokes about that. Doesn't get funny anymore. Just kidding. But um, it's F U R I E. It stands for Feminist Uprising to Resist Inequality and Exploitation. And that is why we have an acronym that we use for it. So um, it's a grassroots feminist organization that's membership based um, in Chicago, Illinois. And we started in 2014. And I've been around pretty much since the beginning as an organizer and I'm now the co-chair of the organization. Um, we do a num- we're a very community-based organization that does programs and uh, grassroots movements around things like women's self-defense. We provide free self-defense training, uh, comprehensive uh, ongoing training programs uh, since 2017. You know, we work with affordable housing organizations to provide that free to women in the um, housing in the city and things like that. Um, educational groups, um, you know, we're trying to get into mutual aid and ways that make sense right now with the virus. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an organization that basically it's uh, what the members make it, what they bring forward and want to organize. We vote on it and that's what happens. So, but that's where we're at right now. Hmm. And now, um, and we've been um, linking up here and there over the past few weeks. Um, what is the status of the masks? Are more needed? Is that still going on? Yes, yes, um, more are needed. So um, we actually have some new members and new states that are wanting to open chapters. So they are also interested in distributing masks. Um, we've got a group that's forming in Austin, Texas, and in, let's see, in South Carolina right now that we've been uh, chatting with. So, yeah, and in Chicago, we would like to do another round of mass distribution as well. So, yeah. It's laid out very detailed. Um, it's posted now, so you can all take a look through it. And he wants to see all of those churches open in a safe fashion. The governor does not allow that. Does the White House support churches defying these executive orders? The president's been very clear. He wants to see churches reopen in accordance with his guidelines. The answer is yes. I just gave you an answer. The president would like churches Kristen to reopen and do it in accordance with the guidelines. What provision of federal law allows the president to override a governor's The president decision. will strongly encourage every governor to allow their churches to reopen. And boy, it's interesting. 
interesting to be in a room that desperately wants to seem to see these churches and houses of worship stay closed. The president said that he has that. I object to that. I mean, I go to church. I'm dying to go back to church. The question that we're asking you and would like to have asked the president and Dr. Burks is, is it safe? And if it's not safe, is the president trying to encourage that, or does the president agree with Dr. Burks that people should wait? Jeff, it is safe to reopen your churches if you do so in accordance with the guidelines, which are laid out um, very stringent detail here about promoting hygiene practices, and there are five bullet points, and cloth face coverings. Um, if social distancing is not possible, it's recommended. Um, intensifying cleanings, promoting social distance, we lay them out meticulously. Um, so I am thankful that we have a president that celebrates the First Amendment, the same amendment that gives you all the ability to ask me questions is there to have the freedom of worship so imams and pastors um, can go to their churches, can go to their places of worship, and can celebrate what is a First Amendment right in this country, which is to pray to your God and to practice your faith. And we Chanel. celebrate that, too. I just want to follow up by saying we celebrate that, too. And so we should be thankful that there are guidelines to allow not, us to re-engage in that behavior. We're not asking you if, if the president or people are allowing Americans to pray. That, that's not the To gather that in their places of worship to attend church services, to pray together. And the president has laid out a clear path. The CDC has laid out a clear path for this to take place, for our First Amendment to be exercised in a way that is safe and robust. And that is something that is a good thing. And I'm thankful that we have a president who celebrates the First Amendment and helps it to be celebrated in its fullest and mo most robust way possible. Chanel. Thank you, Kimmy. Um, I'd like to switch gears asking about President Obama. Um, we had a, uh, does the president, would, we had an interesting article from Joel Pollack this morning. And I would like to ask you if the All right, so here we are. This is uh, Talk Fury. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, what, one of the things I've been following today is all the church reopenings. You know, you've got Trump demanding that the church is reopened now. Um, there was a church in Mississippi that I just uh, wrote something on and posted about through Facebook about the, the Mississippi church that was burned down, I guess, a few days ago. Um, somebody, it was arson and somebody left it in, in spray paint nearby. Um, it, it was quote, bet you don't, uh, but you don't come back now or come to church now, something along those lines. Um, so they suspect it was arson by someone who didn't want them uh, gathering and spraying the virus. So it's things, things are heating up on the religious front around here in the United States, you know? Um, okay. yeah, I think Trump, um, He's, he's doing that because that's his base. It makes total sense. It doesn't surprise me at all. You know, that's his, his base. Their one security right now that they really have is not, most of them have lost economically in the economy 
over the last number of years, um, you know, to God's church, and he knows that that makes him happy. So, huh. now is that that one you're talking about? I um, I, I have a post here. Is that the uh, in Mississippi? Yeah, you know, I I go through some of these stories and the responses to stories and news things, news events like that, and see all these uh, these these comments. One of the some of the comments I found were, you know, Christian believers talking about how, you know, the church isn't just a place; it's the uh, it's the place where the believers get together. So any place believers can get together should do it. And you know, the, the Constitution is, you know, this is one comment in particular from someone that, uh, you know, all believers uh, are covered by the First Amendment. So you know. I find it really ironic that they're using terms of insurance for their uh, their beliefs and their their sense of political security in the Constitution. That they're covered, you know, they're covered by that as a policy. Um, it's a strange sense because it's delusional. You know, it, it's not just your right to go to church. You know, people are burning it down and uh, and uh, you know, and people are dying after they get infected there. So. Um, that, that was happening back in March. Churches that have been gathering and things heated up, you know, there was big mass outbreaks after the gathering. So, yeah, I find it really ironic that the this institution of white supremacy is uh is, is it's not working out very well for uh for white America right now. So, Kai is kind of turning on them with the church thing. This was something I brought up with with uh people is, uh, you know, there, there's a strong part of the way religion functions, especially in the United States or former colonies, where you've got these people with a superiority complex, like white supremacists, about their religion and how it suits them, how it keeps their social standing, um, you know, intact in society. The church kind of reaffirms their, their superiority as an institution and, um, you know, and economically, it, it, you know, it, um, it suits them, you know, ever since colonization and slavery here in the United States. So um, I, I find it, you know, I always thought that for white people, that that's how it works. It's about it suits and it, it pairs with their superiority and their privileges here in the United States. Well, you know, that's obviously not the case for everybody who believes there's, you know, if you get a million stories from every single Christian about why they believe and why that's maybe not the case, then you have the strong, the strong uh, vein of people in the United States who are, you know, have an inferiority complex, people who are oppressed in a lot of ways, and Christianity feeds off of that victimhood. Um, and I guess it's it's very it's very interesting to me to see desperate Christians who have the superiority complex of Christianity just desperate and flailing. they got to go back to church even if it kills them. You know, that's, I don't think that was the case the last time we had a kind of domestic crisis. You know, I think of things like the, uh, the 9-11 crisis and how the Patriot Act, Patriot Act came out of that and all these measures, um, increased surveillance and things. And now we kind of have a new medical surveillance crisis is going to come out of this in the United States since we've handled this so poorly. Um, and there was a lot of religious patriotism happening, you know, back then, after 9-11, and now we see this, and it's, it, but it's, it's not going to work. It, it's going to kill more people, the fact that the way people rush to religion right now. Um, 
for security. So that's, that's uh, it's all very uh, ironically tied into uh, how the empire is, is kind of disintegrating, I think. You know, you think of the pandemic as an apolitical thing. It's, you know, you can't blame anybody for it. You know, as much as we can try, it's just kind of a natural anomaly. Um, some say, you know, but it, it, but it's absolutely political. And it's, uh, it's not working out for many people um, who, I, I think, who, who expect America to, to support them and, like, these white supremacists, you know, and why they're rushing to not wear masks and go back to church and deny that this is happening when then it's not going to work for them. It's, scientifically, this is a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hot summer, I think. And now, like, so, like, I, I'm, I'm a newcomer. I don't know what's going on. Okay, can you crash course me on Illinois politics? What should I come in expecting? Huh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, we're about the, the most fiscally messed up state um, in the United States for being a, a, a wealthier state that has a very large city like Chicago in it, you know. Um, we're not a, you know, little southern state with no major um, economic center or anything. We're a big state. So um, we, you know, our, our uh, taxes are fucked up. Our, we, we have a terribly corrupt uh, uh, property tax scheme, especially in Chicago, you know, that um, basically gets wealthier people to... Uh, be able to uh, get tax breaks on their property if they're hooked up with the right legal firms that handle through the court process their uh, their tax uh, their um, oh gosh what do you call it? I'm not even a homeowner but you know this is just political stuff um, that uh, their their property tax uh, amounts they have to pay. Um, and so people who don't have access to that and, and um, poorer homeowners actually pay a lot more. They uh, proportionally pay much more. You know, and that affects the whole educational system. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a cascading you know, domino effect here. Um, we, you know, our educational system is wrapped up in, the, in property taxes. So the people who, who are live in neighborhoods that are poor where the property Properties are um, are estimated at lower value because they live in black and brown neighborhoods for the most part. Um, their schools get less money because they get it they get it uh, proportionally to the taxes that they that they pay. So you know the education they, they don't get funded um, well in those neighborhoods for their for our shit education system. Um, it's 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 real messed up. You know our pensions. Um, we're in terrible debt with the pensions, like billions of dollars. I don't know. This story just came out. Um, the state of this, uh, the state senators are requesting um, the, the president of the state senate 
is requesting from uh, the federal government to give us the billions of dollars in uh, to help pay for our um, our deficit and our budget because we're always in a deficit even though we're constantly paying for um, you know tourism and stuff in Chicago um, and Navy Pier and all kinds of tourist projects. Um, so we have this huge deficit, and they're blaming on the coronavirus, but we were already in a huge deficit with our pensions um, for the state. So, I mean, it's, it's really the, the coronavirus is, is just kind of the, uh, the, the, the final straw in the stack that everyone is blaming for now we're in the economic crisis, but we built the crisis. So, it's, you know, this has been, you know, people have been screaming about this for a decade, and um, especially in the Chicago area to, you know, do some substantial reform on all of this, but you know, instead we hired a you know a billionaire to be our governor. So <laughs> the the toilet bowl man removed uh, toilets from a house. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Prisker. He um, yeah, his one of his uh, second homes, mansions, vacation houses, or something like that. Um, I believe that is the one that's in the Gold Coast or up in north of downtown Chicago. I think that's the one where he got all of the toilets, um, the toilets removed from the house that he could classify it on his taxes as non-residential so he wouldn't have to pay the, ta- the residential taxes on it. Yeah. That's that... when, they, when they did the property assessment. That's what I was trying to speak on earlier. The assessment, the infamous um, tax assessment in Chicago. I said, that's how you rig the game. That's an extreme example, but yeah. Bitch is such a ripe, juicy insult. Bitch. Fuck the other side like a nympho. Screw everybody, I'm gender neutral. I'm pan-flexual. Block a sutra. Hallelujah to the phoenix. Please rise off of that penis. I mean it, the bitch levels up. Terror threat. Have we looked at ourselves in the mirror yet? Ain't no bitch in me. Call it transgender. We brave as hell and I stand with your hat. A fuckboy possessing a vagina type Bitch. Bitches cross-dressing, how do you identify? Shifty all types, bitches non-binary, uh Shifty all types, bitches non-binary, uh We'll be alright, fuck them all, they very sus We'll be alright, fuck them all, they very sus Shifty all types, bitches non-binary, uh Shifty all types, bitches Yeah, you gotta find some way to get through it, you know, and that's what we do with theory. We get a lot of people who um, come to our meetings, you know, our, our, be at our general meetings when we were able to have those and um, to hear about the organization and, you know, come in and meet people and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they come in and say, yeah, it's just been really overwhelmed by all the stuff and all the problems in society. And I think more people, I mean, especially with this virus, but regardless of that, too, um, who are just kind of overwhelmed with all the problems. And they, they, you know, that's a classic, you know, with the trauma, do you stuff it down and deny it? And that's what most people do. I say that's how basically this election is going to go and how people plug their nose for Biden and things like that. But when you get people to admit that they say, wow, you know, this is really messed up and I have, it's so overwhelming. I have no idea what to do about it, you know. You got to be able to talk to other people about that. You got to be able to be in a group of people who say, "Yeah, we we think it's messed up too. Here's something we can do about it. You know, here's one thing. Come back next week, and we're going to do this. You know, it. Um, you know, tying it back to how I was talking about church earlier, it's kind of like that. That's why churches grow so much. They have a community and a social group of people. You get desperate. 
victimize people who come through and they say I'm depressed, everything's fucked up, I don't know what to do, and they say, hey, we'll help you, we'll save you, we'll listen to you. You know, that's why people go to church. Shit, if the left started doing something like that in a basic community way, that's you get a lot of people turning radical real quick. So, because people need a place to engage and talk about all this. There's no public forums, there's no public square. The closest thing we got is Facebook, and, you know, I admit, that's a little, uh, you know, if you're in the right circles, Facebook can be great, but I don't think it's exactly functioning as the, uh, the, uh, Greek Acropolis with the uh, teeming public politics uh, or anything close to that now. But. Folks, this is Chelsea Springler, Dr. Chelsea Springler. Being a women-based organization, I mean, that's it's not just women's, but feminist-based, so, right? Because you've got women's organizations that can advocate for whatever they want to with women. They could be a conservative women's organization. You, you know, there's all kinds of, that doesn't mean anything political, but feminist means that you, you are talking about ending sexist oppression. And that's the way we talk about it. You know, we're not a group that's calling for equality. We think that's very, that's a very convoluted issue. Um, equality of who, right? Equality of what? White men? Is that how we, we want to be? We're going to be equal and the same as that? What? You know, but, we, we define it as, you know, liberation from sexist oppression. So, you know, we come from that standpoint, but not everything we do is just women's issues, per se, or sexism. Uh, but we think it's very important to come from that standpoint, um, because a lot of us, you know, we are not exclusively women members either. But we have a lot of cross-sections with, for instance, Pan-African um, organizing and uh, community and, you know, and some, you know, there's and black liberation groups, but, you know, um, another major thing that we see, you know, and I, I'm not calling them out specifically, um, that would be very unfair, but we don't have interest in working with, you know, kind of white centrist um, organizations or even white leftist organizations. It's kind of a sinking ship. That's a, another big issue. But what I'm saying this is we have a number of men who are in our organization, black men, actually when we're speaking of what men contribute to the organization and um, they, we recognize how important these black liberation groups are, for example, but there is a large amount of sexism that has to be combated within that. So we have a lot of crossovers of some very um, rich traditions of radicalism in different groups um, and different political leanings that we filter through a feminist standpoint. Um, now, that said, with our kind of political project, because we are feminists, but why we, we, I bring up things like pan-Africanism is because feminism is very, um, gets very, has a, has a very screwed up history with white supremacy, right? First wave feminism with the suffragettes who are racist um, and segregationist. Um, second wave feminism that very much ended up social, for social rights for women, um, and social and sexual revolution and things like that ended up serving highly um, the kind of Hillary Clinton type generation of corporate feminists who get who aim for equality, basically with white men, right? To leave everybody else to rot um, if they can have equality. Um, so we we are very heavy on dealing with that from feminist history, which is why in some in some ways uh, we don't always we actually don't 
demand that people identify themselves as feminists to be involved with us. We Feminist is in our title because we kind of have this iconic title that's stuck but since 2014. You know, I came in shortly after it began. I wasn't there at the very first meeting, actually, but a few months later, I kind of rolled in and tried to kind of see the scene of what this new organization was. And, um, you know, so feminist, feminist is in the title, but we have people who come in as womanists, and that's very, you know, valid. And their critiques of feminism and why they, they don't want to be feminists is absolutely um, right to me. So, you know, we um, feminist is important, but it's not the only thing that we are. It's kind of, you know, a history of where we come from. But uh, we, we are very involved in changing the many problems with it, as well as the, the ways that feminism needs to be involved in other um other issues and other other groups and, and political strategies. Hope that makes sense. I might have taken the long way around on that, but. Feels that we work hard enough and deserve it. Lisa Harris counts herself as an essential employee. I know there's a high possibility of me getting COVID-19. She runs self-checkout at this Mechanicsville Kroger. I worked for Kroger for 13 years. Since March, Kroger employees have received a hazard pay of $2 extra per hour as they work through this pandemic. It's literally the difference uh, between paying a bill and not. But after Saturday, Kroger plans to end what they call the temporary hero bonus. The morale, I think, will drop when it does go away. United Food and Commercial Workers Local 400, the union that Harris is a member of, has urged Kroger to extend the pay until the crisis is over. It's not like COVID has gone away. In a statement, a Kroger spokesperson says the grocer, quote, has invested over $700 million to reward our associates and safeguard associates, customers, and our communities during the pandemic. We continuously evaluate employee compensation and benefits packages. Kroger has voiced their support for employees on billboards and your TV. Everyone at the Kroger family of brands and our customers say thank you. We were heroes before and we will be after, and I don't see why... If you have it to give, why not? Harris says she's grateful to work with her community. I've actually had customers try to tip me, which we're not allowed to accept, which is heartwarming. You feel the sense every day that you're helping personally to keep the store going. She hopes Kroger reconsiders. When you got that family feeling in the store and all of a sudden Kroger says, that extra $2 we're giving you, it's going, you realize that that family feeling might end at your store level, you know? Kroger says they've hired more than 80,000 people during this pandemic, many of whom have lost their jobs. Meanwhile, the union has launched a petition urging Kroger to extend hero pay. We've posted much more information on our website, WTVR.com. Working for you, I'm Brendan King, CBS 6 News. So what were you saying? Were you, tar- you mentioned Kroger? Yeah, yeah. There seems to be some, some business going on there. There's a, uh, an image you have posted, and they're telling workers to repay extra funds. What's happening there? Yeah, so that was shared anonymously, a letter to uh, a Kroger worker, um, and they do groceries and stuff like that. I, I don't know the full extent of what Kroger is, uh, their business is involved in, but um, these were grocery workers, I believe. And um, yeah, they paid them emergency funds, and they said that they overpaid some of them, so that they owed money back to their company from what they were paid. Um, I've seen several people following up on that. So that you know, I like to share when I when I see things like that. I'll share it out there, 
and I'm, I'm certainly not afraid to get more information um, from people who comment and have more information. That's kind of the idea. You know, I didn't have all the information with that one. So um, from what I've been hearing um, there, oh, somebody, somebody uh, who worked there in a bootlicker um, mm-hmm. came on to, uh, to uh, inform us that this is all bullshit and, you know, got a, you know, quite a long thesis argument right there. Um, that it's all bullshit, and uh, I had to block the guy. His uh, his, his girlfriend was the is the illustrious life she must have. Um, uh, commented, you know, to call me a stupid conscience. And I'm just saying this, you know, uh, to uh, illustrate how social media, you know, social media can go. And I try to get you guys a forum when stuff like that gets shared. I welcome people who I'm not friends with to come on and give me more information, you know. And, in that way, maybe we can use Facebook and things like that as a bit of a political public square if we are more refined and we are more conscious in the way that we do it, right? Um, that's why it keeps so much public. And um, anyway, so besides those silly comments, you know, you get people who uh, somebody said that they found out through uh, Reddit, the other, uh, the next uh, town square, the town over, um, said that uh, apparently this is for it was emergency funds for workers who had to take like two months or two weeks off work to quarantine. So, you know, you got to imagine a company like that. They don't just send out um, requests to get payments sent back to the company. Um, just, you know, they don't just throw that out there. They've had a legal team look that over that they think even if it's bullshit, the legal team thinks that it's good enough that they can defend it no matter what, if they try to sue I've been in corporations and dealt legally with them before. Um, when I worked for a, had a minimum wage job at a shit company. Um, so, so it, it sounds like it was, it was the people who took time off that maybe they're taking, they're taking the payback or do they expect them to pay it back because maybe it was a bonus and it wasn't an actual part of their contractual um payment, you know, like like when your company gives you a gift card, I suppose if they wanted to bring it to ask for it back, it, it, they'd be assholes, but legally they could probably do it because it's not part of your contract, right? It's not part of what you agreed and signed that you were getting paid for. Um, it's something extra that they're not obliged to give you. So I think it, it was something along the lines of that. So it sounds like that's the extent of what I know now, but Kroger is uh, privately requesting those funds be returned from the time off that some people took. Huh, and you know what? Just, you, and you just made me think. I, I just felt like you know sometimes just Google a couple words together and see what comes up. And I'm just looking up um, Kroger arbitration and staff. And I got 2015 employer can compel arbitration uh, where actual policy it looks like. Yep. So Kroger is one of those arbitration businesses. So it, yeah, yeah. So if a if a staff member does try to get justice. They're going to pull them in those little dirty behind-the-scenes courts. Yeah, that's what happened with me with the company I used to work for. And my grievance was, um, and that's real. You know, you don't realize that when you're an employee and they make you sign updates to your contract every month with little details of pages of words that you don't understand or care about. And, you know, if you want to stay employed there, uh, that's what happened at the company I used to work for. They enforced an arbitration agreement for any legal dispute, and they enforce it. I can tell you that. Oh, geez. And the story, are you um uh, n- not of liberty to, to speak on the story? 
Yeah, no, I can't. But you know, but I will say, you know, being in a legal thing with a, with a prior employer, um, that it's uh, you know, this is why most people, most working class folks, don't fight. One, you know, can't afford a lawyer to take something like this on, and the legal system is so turned against you. You know, you might get involved in a legal thing and realize all the way through a very difficult process that, you know, turns out you got something like an arbitration and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, there's things like that. It's a, it's a, it's a real mess for working class people. I personally enjoy the fight because I'm lucky enough to be able to, you know, kind of do it. And I, and I get a kick out of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, fight back in that way, but it's, that's not a, it's not a piece of cake and it's not accessible to most people. So. Why your own people? Wanna see you fall when you're doing something positive, they don't never get involved. But the moment the money come, they the first ones to call. Don't call me. Look. Crabs in the bucket, we don't talk about the subject. We all know it's there, but we always seen the ducket. Everybody wanna be Beyonce, what about Michelle? Faya, look, Toya, lucky. They all was together just to get that group buzz. And Pippin need a robin to assist, join with the buckets. Don't fall into temptation. Don't be no David Ruffin. You see one coming up, you pull them down till y'all all got nothing. Hispanics live together, fam, in one house. You live with a black person, they the first to kick you out. You down on your luck, guess who they talking about? You rather stunt on my name for some motherfucking clout? This about nation building. But your man sat thinking that I'm your competition. What do you mean? Tearing down another queen won't boost my self-esteem. The solution is unity. That's you and I. That's you and me. Queen shit. We can finish that mission. Fuck it. Death to the basic bitches. Okay, so like, so everything that you do is also archived and they can't just take it away from you. So we have, and we have an online journal for writers. If anyone um, has stories or anything like that, um, longer written articles about anything that's related to um, theory and radical politics, um, not theory specifically, but the, the kind of issues we talk about. Um, we have a wide variety of um, fiction um, stories as well as more articles. Um, on It's panwomanist.org, um, all one word, word panwomanist. Um, so, uh, so we back up some of you know, our stuff to that website, but we most of our traffic doesn't come through that. It comes through social media and um, Facebook primarily. And, you know, Facebook is, so, is such a great tool, and social media is such an important tool for building social movements now. I mean, we, we see how different, uh, you know, ever since Occupy, Arab Spring, that was a big boom when everybody realized, oh, wow, social media can really do stuff, and you can circumvent the mainstream media and do do new things and prop, pop up a hundred different protest movements in you know a hundred different cities within a week. That's what happened with Occupy, right in 2011. Like so, it's a huge. It can be a huge tool when utilized correctly. Um, but none of us, we don't own any of these apps. Zuckerberg and the political establishment owns that app that we are merely. Um, buying our time on as, as radicals, you know, that's how I see it. Um, and the way people get censored, I don't know if your page has ever gone through a bad censorship or post removed or being warned. Um, but you know, you see leftist pages that have been just completely taken down or, um, you know, it's not just Facebook, but you know, I know people who do YouTube and stuff that have been demonetized and all kinds of other issues. It's not completely deleted. 
So, you know, or ghost, ghost bands where they're not getting, uh, you know, um, followers or people seeing their stuff. So there, so it's, it gets hard to know because they'll fuck with the algorithms, right? If you're saying the, the wrong things or using certain words that um, isn't politically what Facebook as a corporation wants, um, you know, you get uh, people don't, it, it, it won't go into the algorithms for people to see it, but you won't be able to complain and say your page was taken down. They just mess with it so you don't get traffic, but it's the same difference in some ways, you know? So, I mean, I think uh, it's just, uh, you know, as soon as anything real and serious happens that is substantial politically, like a real movement happens that really threatens the status quo or the political establishment gets scared about their security and power over what's happening, um, I mean, that'll be the day that Facebook pages of a lot of people disappear. And then what? You know, I, I, I don't have, you know, that, that's kind of my current um, place where I'm at with trying to figure things out is what do we do when this app that we don't own is taken away from us because it doesn't suit them, you know? Um, it's, I think that's a very real problem, and um, that's why alternative media that's not just on these apps is very, very, very important. So I think that's, you know, a great platform that you all have built. So very important. You know, it's tricky because in some ways I'm kind of cynical about the, the self-care label um, just because it's been overused by liberals in some ways. It doesn't mean that it, it's it's not valid. Um, so that's a really good question. Um, so I'll just preface with that. Um, but, you know, for me, um, self-defense, honestly. Um, and, you know, when I was still at my um, oppressive job um, that I'm – you know, deal still dealing with um, and and trying to kind of combat. They uh, that's when I started self defense training, and that it was physical. It was something that can ground you and it empowers you. I mean, so I could talk all day about self defense, but for oppressed people, but um, you it makes you you know for one it's exercise but it grounds you and it makes you present and you're repeating moves over and over to make muscle memory for yourself in a way that is about building your own boundaries and things, ways that people can't cross. You're blocking, you're learning how to block somebody. And that has a mental effect too, not just a physical one um, on restoring your sense of self, um, you know, boundaries, your sense of, you know, self-confidence, things like that. So I think it's very important for, um, for, people coming from any kind of um, oppression to learn that and restore themselves through it. Um, so that's, I mean, that's my main thing. So it's, you know, it's practical. It's not just self-soothing either. Huh. You know, so, and also, something else too. Now, Fury also has a book club 
of which I missed um, both of the last story, thanks to um, my job's mandatory overtime. I, I fell asleep when you uh, when you folks went to discuss it. Um, how 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 regular is uh, Fury's book club? You know, we typically we, we used to do it once a month. Now during the quarantine, we're trying to do it every two weeks since people are more stuck at home and um, it might be easier to get more of them out. Um, so we haven't announced the date. We just had our, our last one. So of Korea Dora. So there's a novel. So we are going to announce the next one this week with the next date. So I can update you and probably next time I'm on the next week's call, I should be able to have dates and uh, some concrete stuff for you. Father Teresa's wine cellar is rated R for keeping it real. Yeah, so we'll have links if you follow our Facebook page, um, S-U-R-I-E, Fury, if you search it. Um, we will make event updates and any announcements through there, but I'll have stuff next week for people. Um, and let's see, what was I going to say? Yeah, and, you know, the book clubs, we put free PDFs out if you if anybody's interested um, in participating online while in quarantine. Um, and we might continue this after quarantine, too. The kind of online educational thing seems to be nice, and we're able to branch out with more people outside of Chicago, which is very important to us now. So we really like being able to expand even internationally now um, with people who are interested in this stuff. So um, we uh, we get a free PDF for people that we put online, and it's, then we do a call through... Um, we use Cisco WebEx because there's more free options, but it's, it's just like Zoom. So you just get on and we have a good time and we talk.